listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. At Rx Safe, we believe in improving patient health by challenging conventional wisdom, upending the status quo, and transforming the retail pharmacy industry. Our innovative technology solutions are designed to accelerate your pharmacy's success and change the way you do business. We develop long-term partnerships with pharmacies and other industry innovators to help attract new customers, create additional revenue streams, and transform the traditional pharmacy model. Become the adherence packaging leader in your community and practice at the top of your pharmacy license. Get started today. Visit rxsafe.com. That's rxsafe.com to learn more. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast Nation, Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Todd Urey, and I'm excited to be here today. Thank you so much to our sponsors, RxSafe. RxSafe does a lot and has worked with Pharmacy Podcasts for nearly five years now. And we really like that they bring to the table a lot of subject matter experts on a multitude of things, especially for that community pharmacy provider and owner. But one of the most important things that they're doing is helping us to educate not only our pharmacists, but our other HCPs that we work with, physicians, uh, nurse practitioners, uh, specialists about adherence. And today we welcome three very special pharmacists to our panel discussion. This is our mental health and the importance of adherence. And today is December 17th, 2021. And I'm excited to introduce our panel. I'm going to start off with Tyler Young. He is the lead pharmacist with Heinz Prescription Shop, a locally owned pharmacy in Barnesville, Georgia. And Tyler helps hundreds of patients become more compliant with their medications by making it simpler with the RxSafe adherence packaging systems. Welcome, Tyler. How are you? doing good. How are you? Doing really well. When I get to be surrounded with pharmacists, Tyler, it's a good day for me. So I like being yeah. here. Thank we you for having me. We also have uh, returning Dr. Thomas McDowell. He's no stranger to the Pharmacy Podcast and to RxSafe. He's been working with us for quite some time. Was at a live event at the NCPA 2021 where we talked about adherence. We talked about more of our business strategies but nonetheless, he's the owner of McDowell's Pharmacy in North Carolina. And Thomas and I, uh, we we have discussed things offline as well. And medication adherence and mental health is one of those. And Thomas, welcome. I'm looking forward to your insights today. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate you having me on again. And also Dr. Monica Krishnan, a very special um, woman to me in the Pharmacy Podcast Network because of her participation and the launch of the mental pharmacist focused on mental health podcast. I'm so proud to have her here. She's a clinical pharmacist with practice of over 18 years, and she began her career as an inpatient care pharmacist at UCLA Medical Center. And she uh, started a family and had suffered a loss of her husband at a very young age. It's an amazing uh, testimony that not only as a provider, but someone who really understands the importance of mental health and being able to really focus on the community pharmacy uh, needs and the community that she serves. Welcome, Monica. How are you? I'm good, Todd. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited that the three of you are here. This is very um, special today because it's the holiday season. And I think uh, as I've read many um, different findings and research, um, you know, in 2019, just prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, 19.86% of adults were experiencing some mental illness. And that's equivalent to 50 million Americans. And when we compound that with the pandemic, and when we compound that with um, the holidays, uh, this can become a very, very stressful time with, uh, with the millions of lives that are impacted. Because not only the individual, but we're talking about the families and the friends of those individuals. 
and deep depression can take hold. And it's sometimes extremely hard to find the balance between work, life, family, the correct medication, and then staying on medications. As community pharmacy practitioners, I want to start out with Monica and, uh, and really focus down on our first question that we'd like the whole panel to take time to answer. But I'm going to start with you, uh, Monica. How can pharmacists be more aware and recognize symptoms associated with mental illness? So I think it's all about connection, being able to connect one-on-one -on -one with the actual patient that comes to the pharmacy counter. Um, I know for me specifically, being a community pharmacist, um, it's at the consultation counter and uh, listening. Listening is key. Um, and from someone who not only is a clinical pharmacist, but who has been a mental health patient herself, that gives me a little bit more credibility, power to let my patients know that there's no judgment. There's no judgment because I'm not going to judge you if you're taking Lexapro or Trazodone because I'm not going to judge someone who's taking metformin for diabetes or judge someone who's taking albuterol for asthma. Um, it's all about uh, education, educating um, and trying to break the stigma, the stigma that's associated with medications, right? Um, the shame that people put on themselves, um, the shame that society puts on you, the shame that friends and family put on you because you are now on an antidepressant. So I think it, or any mental health medication, I think it's important to understand and reinforce the community, the caregivers and the patients that um, when you are put on a psychiatric medication, understanding that there is an actual chemical imbalance that's going on and there's a reason why you're being put on this medication. So, um, you know, so we we play we play a huge role because we are we are the person they come to to pick up their medications. We are the ones that spend 10, 15 minutes talking to them about um, the side effects, um, how long the medication is going to take to work, um, what happens if you're not compliant, uh, withdrawal effects if you don't take it properly. Um, so they spend more time with us about the importance of medication than the actual provider who prescribes it. And being able to see that follow-up, whether it's week after week, month after month, the community pharmacist has that opportunity to engage and be able to come up with um, other assessments of your uh, patients. Um, Thomas, you and I, once again, we, we kind of preface this uh, on a side comment and side conversation that we had, and you are running a community pharmacy, you have employees, you have uh, family, you have friends, um, busy operations. And when I think of that, I think, you know, you sharing ideas with our, our audience today about being an education resource for your community on mental health awareness, as well as helping to squash stigmas. As a community pharmacy owner, how do you navigate? How do you, how do you help your community with mental health? Well, first off, uh, we're the most accessible healthcare providers uh, in the community, uh, oftentimes. And so we're seeing our patients 10, 12 times a year at least, compared to uh, they may only see their um, primary care provider or mental health uh, provider a couple of times a year. And so we have the ability to see how the patient's doing on a regular basis. and. And we want to let them know that we are here to support them, not just with, you know, the typical chronic conditions, but with all conditions and mental health is really important to us. And uh, my grandfather, who was a pharmacist, uh, really had a, an inclination to want to help uh, mental health patients. And uh, he served in World War II and uh, he was at the Naval Hospital in Bethesda and and saw a lot of patients that were suffering from mental health issues. So it's been really uh, near and dear to his, his heart, my father's heart and, and myself as well. And so 
we want to remove all judgment, all stigma. And uh, we want to let them know that hey, you're not alone. Uh, this is, you're not the only person dealing with this. And uh, it's, it's common and, and there is help out there and, and we're here to support you. And, and uh, we want you to be adherent to your medications, but we want you to also know that you can uh, communicate with us and let us know how you're feeling. And we can be a resource for you on education, on medications and, and referring if needed to another part of the healthcare team as well. So I think, uh, Tyler, when, when you're dealing with patients and you know, uh, based on sharing, uh, talking with um, what they might be going through, uh, there may be a death in their family. There may be uh, something, a job loss. They're sharing this with you. Sometimes the pharmacist is the only healthcare provider that, that your community has access with. So mm -hmm. you being keen to and being aware to recognizing mental health issues. Can you elaborate how you manage that as well as being a pharmacy owner? Yeah, so um, as Monica said, I think one of the most important parts is building that relationship with the patient. Um, you know, unfortunately in some retail settings, there's not the staff or the time to make that happen. Uh, but I believe every pharmacist and technician wants to have that relationship with their patient. Um, and once those relationships are created, you can begin to recognize if and when something is off about that patient. They may not have any uh, diagnosed mental health condition, uh, but if they're you know, going through a rough patch and uh, all of a sudden they develop a, a depression or uh, you know, other issues, you can notice when those things are off if you have that relationship. And more than likely, they're, they're willing to open up that as long as you're able to you know, take them to the side and in one of the you know, consultation rooms or you know, off to the side where nobody can hear, hear them talk about it. And I think they'd be willing to share that. And um, also in our community, we've got to fortunately have a lot of uh, mental health clinics and um, access to mental health care. And so if they're going through a tough time, we can refer them to those counselors or to those providers who can help see them through it um, with the proper therapy or medication. And then uh, we can work with them when they get prescribed medications. Monica, coming back to what you were saying um, about the specific psychotropics at times and, and how you have to bring a patient up onto a treatment. Sometimes it's not working. Sometimes you have to figure out with the psychiatrist, their primary care, what's going on. One in five Americans are currently living with some kind of mental illness. One in six people in the United States are using psychotropic medications for problems that are relating to behavioral health issue. How does stigma play a role in our seemingly increasingly um, growing mental health crisis? So I feel like the, the past two years, we have, especially being in the largest mental health crisis, not just in our country, but truthfully globally, um, as a result of this pandemic, I feel like we are starting to see more conversations with mental health stigma, um, especially uh, just in my community where I work um, in Los Angeles. No one really wanted to go to urgent care or ERs or doctor's offices unless they absolutely had to. So they were coming in to pharmacies. And I cannot tell you the amount of conversations I've had with parents, teenagers, um, adults who are wanting to have more conversations about uh, their child or themselves going on one of these medications. Um, so I think that we are heading in the direction where conversations and the stigma is uh, starting to uh, break a bit. We're not there 100%. But I think this pandemic has truthfully uh, opened the doors of uh, addressing the importance of mental health is just as important as physical health. Um, so I think we're working in that direction. I think education is key, understanding why this particular medication, let's say, for example, you know, uh, Lexapro, you know, how does that work in the brain? Um, you know, what is uh, these neurotransmitters in, in the brain, like norepinephrine or serotonin? Um, and, and how does it work? And okay, well, if this drug isn't working for you, let's switch it to this one. Um, so I feel like as a community pharmacist, I am seeing 
um, more acceptance. I'm seeing more acceptance, um, especially over the last two years. So we have a lot of work to do in this area of healthcare, but I think we're we're moving in that direction. Monica, as a mother, as a a wife who lost her husband, and what you went through yourself, the extra stress that was placed on you. I'm a father of four daughters, so uh, that I'm in the the teenage years on both sides, um, and I think of the stress that it would put on me if one of my children were suffering with something serious depression because of um, the volatility, almost feeling like you're on a balance beam uh, as a parent, worrying about how they are and, and, and not losing them to a, a, even a more serious issue or even a suicide. You wrote a really meaningful article on SciComm Pro that was titled The Integrative Pharmacist in Teen Medication Adherence. And I want you to share with our audience a little bit about that article and how today we're talking about adherence uh, medication and, and how, as a pharmacist, you were really helping uh, that specific scenario and that specific family. Yeah, so um, this was a real patient case scenario. Uh, obviously, names are changed uh, due to HIPAA and privacy. So. A 17-year-old girl named Sabrina comes into the pharmacy with her mom, and Sabrina was put on antidepressants, uh, Lexapro, and she was put on Trazodone for insomnia. Um, she was 16 when she started seeing a psychiatrist, and uh, 16 as well when she started coming into the pharmacy along with her mom. So I had built this amazing relationship with her mom, um, and getting to know Sabrina um, monthly as she would come in for her uh, refills and quick consultations. So in the middle of a pandemic, um, we had a consultation and we found out that she was being non-compliant to her both medications and um, she was struggling. And the mom herself was struggling and she didn't know what to do. She was very frustrated. So uh, we spent about 20 minutes kind of just really breaking down what the issue was and what was her cause of non-adherence. So here we are, she's 17 years old. She is feeling the pressure of being a teenager. She's got, you know, work, her school stress. She's in the pandemic. She's feeling isolated. And, um, you know, come to find out in consultation, she had a friend over and her friend discovered uh, on her uh, nightstand, her, her medication vials. And her friend picked up her medication vial and said, hey, what's this? You know, I didn't know you were on uh, your, an antidepressant and I didn't know you were on a sleeping medication. So all of a sudden, Sabrina felt extremely ashamed. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's not mine. It's my mom's. So she just after that was like, I, I, I don't want to be on these medications, mom. So she comes into the pharmacy and her mom says, uh, oh, so the reason we find out she was non-compliant is because we, we do medication adherence uh, protocols where if someone doesn't come to pick up the refill in a month or two, we reach out to the family and say, hey, you know, Sabrina hasn't been on her medication for a month. Is everything okay? Are you using another pharmacy? So that's how we found out that she was being non-inherent because she wasn't coming into the pharmacy. Um, after, you know, having a direct conversation with Sabrina, now it was one-on-one -on -one, me and Sabrina. And I said, listen, I have been in your shoes. I know what it's like to feel ashamed. I myself as a pharmacist felt ashamed to go on an antidepressant. So I can just imagine you being 17, you know, figuring out like, you know, just life that, that that's normal to have these feelings and you're not alone. Um, so I made that connection with her, like sharing my own story with her. And she was like, really, Dr. Krishnan, you went on an antidepressant? And I kind of told her a little bit about my, about my struggles, what I went through 10 years ago. Um, and how being on this medication really helped me. So then we talked about some strategies of, okay, what can we do to um, help you get, you know, back on track 
to being more compliant. So we talked a little bit back and forth and we, we found a strategy of, you know, letting her mom handle her medications for, you know, a month or two until she felt comfortable to take on the role of dispensing her own medications. So she was okay with that. And then um, we had a follow-up appointment four months later and she's on steady state. She's compliant. She's back on both medications. Um, and in fact, she was so proud that she is um, doing some mental health work locally in her high school um, with uh, a mental health, um, like, uh, a, a, like a, a group uh, where they talk about mental health. So I was just so proud of her. So yeah, she's doing well. Thank, thank you for that. That's really digging into how one member of your community was impacted because you took the time to recognize and dig in to what that patient truly needed. And I think there was a woman to woman thing that was happening as well, which is um, all part of being a healthcare provider and, and being empathetic and getting into the shoes of what the patient is experiencing. Uh, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Thomas, when I think of what you've done in your community, I think of what Dr. Krishnan just said about how you could have cascade or domino effects of non-adherence when you're talking about mental health specifically. What have you experienced with your patients who are suffering with some type of mental health or behavioral health issue? They are on a treatment, but they're also diabetic or they have hypertension or they have something else. And we know that as high as 56% of patients that are on some kind of antidepressant are more likely to be non-adherent. How do you overcome or help to overcome uh, those challenges for your patients? So yeah, that you know they a lot of times might put the mental health medications on the back burner if they're worried about a, a you know diabetes at the moment or hypertension, and and a lot of times they don't have time to discuss uh, mental health in detail at their doctor's visits. Uh, but we try to make sure we're keeping track of, of all of the medications they're taking and make sure all disease states are uh, paid attention to. And, and our adherence packaging program makes that a lot easier. We uh, have several hundred patients enrolled uh, where we monitor them monthly. We have an adherence coach that calls them each month, checks in with them, uh, makes sure everything's going okay. If they say, you know, I I don't need this this month. We're we're going to dig into that a little deeper, and and so what's going on, Miss Smith? And why don't you need that? And and see if we can figure out a resolution. And uh, it's been a challenging two months for a lot of our patients. There are a lot of a lot of them are elderly, and they have felt very lonely, isolated. And so we you know try to make sure they know that we're here for them, and and that they need to make sure they're still staying adherent and. Um, you know, they're not wanting to go to the doctor as much or not wanting to venture out. So we're offering free delivery, uh, whatever we can do to, to support them and make sure they are not, um, you know, falling into uh, back into a, an issue that they had worked really hard to improve upon uh, with adherence and and uh, consultations. And so we we really try to treat them holistically and and uh, help however we can and support them however we can. Tyler, also with your uh, community and many of your patients suffering with depression, even around uh, the holidays time, um, non-adherence is a major issue. What have you done with uh, compliance packaging or the simplicity of presenting a way to stay adherent on medications in comparison to patients having to worry about um, taking individual vials and remembering when to take their medication and the complexity of what happens when a, an adherence package isn't in place specifically to mental health. Can you uh, share us a, a story that, of your experience in, in your community pharmacy? Yeah, um, I'll try to think of a specific patient while I kind of talk about this some, but we really focus on uh, with our packaging system, anybody who is taking more than about three or four medications, it can get really complex. That includes, you know, your mental health meds, you know, if they have diabetes or hypertension. Uh, so we really try to focus on those patients who are taking multiple medications. 
Um, we talk about the importance of staying as adherent as possible, especially to their mental health medications, um, because you know most of these patients have worked very hard to get on a regimen that works for them. And the last thing we want to see is for them to go, um, you know, a month or so where they're taking it sporadically or they've just completely stopped because that can really, um, you took 10 steps forward, but that may take you 20 steps back doing something like that. So we really educate them on the importance of staying adherent to their medications. Um, and we really stress, uh, how simple it is when we are able to package it for them, you know, how they don't have to worry about what time they have to take it, you know, it's going to have it on the, the package right there for them. They don't have to worry about, uh, is this, have already taken this once today? You know, if they've torn off that little strip, then they'll know that I've already taken my medications for the morning. I need to worry about the evening next. And, um, we've got one particular patient who uh, was really struggling with her mental health. Um, she had a sister that she was caring for and, um, kind of some things were going on with her family and with the sister. And she ended up having um, basically a breakdown herself and ended up you know, needing counseling and therapy and some medications to work through that. And for a while, she would come in and only pick up one or two. And after discussing what was going on with her, we realized that um, it was kind of a, a price issue. Uh, so she was you know, picking and choosing which medications that she was going to pick up that time. And what we did with her was we set up a, an account for her basically where she could just pay once a month. And, um, we work with her on her, on her finances with that. And we got everything synced up to one fill day. And then we talked to her about packaging and she was more than happy to do that. Once all those barriers were removed, she was able to be much more adherent and now she's doing a lot better. Um, for the first few months there, she was really struggling. Uh, but here in, I guess the last six months, she's done way better than she was previously doing. So Thomas, so just to follow up with what you were saying, um, the the domino effect of non-adherence, how do you see uh, the technology that you're using? How do you see the adherence follow-up and what you're doing with uh, the, I, I want to say you have hundreds of, of patients that are, that you're monitoring with, with your systems, but how, how are, how are you seeing the difference between picking up non-adherence with the, with the packaging and the adherence tools that you have versus before you had those tools, what was the notice difference uh, between the two systems? Um, no packaging versus packaging. Is there a way to quickly see um, when a patient is not adherent? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, before we really increased our volume of adherence packaging and, and you got to a rapid pack RX robot. Um, we were doing it manually. We didn't have a lot of volume. Uh, we, we were much more reactive to situations that were coming up and it made it a lot more difficult to, to see those problems happening ahead of time. And, you know, we would, we would see them, uh, when we're filling medications, uh, you know, Hey, they haven't gotten there, you know, Zoloft field or, they haven't gotten their trazodone. Um, and we would, at that point, we would still try to, you know, make a, make a note to speak to the pharmacist at point of sale and have that conversation and, and ask them what's going on. Uh, but as we shifted more and more of our volume to, um, uh, adherence packaging and MedSync where, um, either way we're monitoring them monthly, but we're calling them ahead of time, seven days ahead of time. And so, we are proactively ensuring that they don't become non-adherent. And so we're seeing it, uh, you know, we're getting ahead of the problem for them from becoming non-adherent because we're calling them before it's even time to fill their medications. And if there's an issue, we can go ahead and resolve it right there during that phone call or bring the pharmacist in. Uh, if there is a clinical issue or, you know, if there's a side effect, we can communicate with the doctor or, or talk to the patient about that side effect. And so instead of seeing that they've missed a field and it's 30, 60, 90 days late, uh, we're talking to them at the time, you know, that it's, you know, they're getting their medications refilled or, or packaged. And it's just a much more proactive approach. And we've seen a huge difference uh, in, in some of these patients being stable on their regimen. We were seeing all kinds of changes before they weren't picking up certain things. They were, you know, missing refills or couldn't get a refill. And so we're calling them, making sure that they're up to date on their appointments with their you know, psychiatrist or their PCP. And so it's, it's been really, really, 
rewarding to see how much it has helped patients because they know that, you know, it's hard enough for them to, you know, put their mental health at, at the forefront of what's going on in their life. You know, they're trying to manage complex medication regimens. So we're handling all the refills. We're calling the doctor for them so that they can focus on, you know, making sure that they are doing well uh, personally. And so that they know that we're taking care of all the medication complexity. So it's been a, a game changer for us in our community. Monica, you shared with us a very specific case, and thank you. It was very special with the teenager and how you bonded with them, really using a story of your own to lower the guard of that patient so that they didn't feel like they were being judged. Then I think of seniors. I think of the depression that they go through around the holidays, for example, maybe not being able to see their, their family members. I think of that long-term care assisted living center setting, or even the seniors that come in and see you on a weekly or monthly basis. Then I think of our veterans. I think of uh, PTSD and how uh, many veterans who have come back from active duty are, are really stressed out and the impact that that has on their family, the impact that has on their, um, on their communities. And then, of course, our teenagers, which you uh, just alluded to and gave us an amazing story about uh, being a, a a pharmacist that was there for the patient, I I gotta ask you because you've seen all of these uh, types of patients in in your pharmacy. How are you helping these patients in their in in meeting them where they are to understand their medication treatment and the dangers of medication non adherence? Yeah. So, um, you know, I I truthfully feel like. It is, and it's like what Thomas said, we are the most accessible healthcare providers. Um, when you compare, uh, you know, when patients go to a physician's office or an ER or urgent care, they will see their pharmacist uh, 12 to 15 times a year. Um, so the key thing is, is building that relationship, right? Um, getting to know Mr. Jones or Mrs. Smith and, getting to know them. A lot of my patients, I've gotten to know them as a, uh, you know, first name basis. Um, that's the, the foundation is establishing that uh, connection, the relationship, um, not just, you know, a prescription number, but getting to know them individually. Um, and I think it's through conversations and stories is when you really get to know what struggles they're dealing with, right? Um, my example where I shared a story about Sabrina, I would have never known that the reason why she was non-compliant is because she felt ashamed due to her friends discovering her prescription bottles. So, um, and when you mentioned all the different age groups and mental health, mental health does not discriminate based on age. You know, we're seeing it um, in teenagers, we're seeing it in adolescents, we're seeing it in adults, we're seeing it in our senior citizens. And we're actually starting to see it, believe it or not, in our under uh, 13 age group. I've seen 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds um, being put on antidepressants um, in this pandemic. And when we talk about mental health, we're not just looking at um, you know, depression medications. We are looking at everything, um, including ADHD medications, right? So we do have a lot of uh, children who are on ADHD medications. And um, so I think it's finding the reason why they are non-compliant, non-adherent, and finding strategies on, how we, uh, on having a way to help them. Um, prescription reminder, uh, you know, reminding them monthly to come pick up their prescriptions. Um, if they're uh, needing help, getting assistance to finding somebody in their family members who could help with dispensing of their medications like we did with, you know, this patient, Sabrina, her mom stepped in and started, you know, helping her for four months. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that finding a way to having that conversation and telling them, you know, what are the side effects if you do not take your medication um, regularly? Uh, these are the withdrawal side effects. Um, you're not going to see an improvement in your mood or whatever you're being treated with if you're not taking it for this, you know, amount of time. Like we know that a lot of these medications do take about four to six weeks to get to steady state. 
So I think it's it's having these conversations one-on-one and letting them know that um, we're there to help them. Thank you for that. Uh, Tyler, I, I just mentioned veterans and in your community, um, I'm wearing a t-shirt that's brought to us by RX Safe and a, a myriad of, of funders. And this is the um, U.S. Farmy shirt because uh, we, we, ra- we raise money for veterans. There's a spe- special um, organization in my community called the Dog Tag Club, and they're actually in uh, 14 different states. And we really want to do all we can to show that pharmacists are there for our veterans. In your specific community, and when I think of adherence, even though that some of these, obviously the veterans can be taken care of by the VA, but how are veterans specifically in your community how does medication adherence impact uh, those specific patients, and what challenges have you seen as a community pharmacy with your with your vets? Um, so we do not have a VA clinic close by. They're currently constructing or building one. Uh, it's under construction right now in the next town over. But most of the time, they have to drive about an hour and a half uh, to another city. That's about the closest VA clinic. Uh, so we do have a good bit of um, you know, military retirees. Uh, we have some active duty uh, that are you know, active duty, I guess, with the reserves and you know, they have TRICARE and, and they come by. But um, specifically with those veterans, most of them will stay adherent as long as they know what the medication is for. Um, I'm not a veteran, but a lot of them seem to be very uh, diligent and they will, they will do exactly um, as prescribed, as long as they know what it's for, why they're doing it, they have to have a purpose, it seems. Um, so I, I have one veteran that I'm thinking of in particular that you know I, I sat down with them, went through all of his medications, including some mental health medications. And once he knew what each one was for and how he's supposed to take it, he's like, cool, got it. Um, some though, especially the older veterans that are retired military, um, they have had some trouble just dealing with um, some medications being mandatory mail order, uh, some medications they have to get specifically through the VA when they go to the clinic. So that's really created a barrier. Um, thankfully, not so much with mental health medications, but uh, still they're dealing with issues with their hypertension medications or diabetes medications. So we try to be um, as helpful as we can. You know, if they're waiting on a on a mail order prescription, we'll call the doctor, try to get a five-day supply form, make sure that there's no uh, discontinuation of therapy for any amount of time. And, um, you know, like I said, I think once they know exactly what the medications are for, the majority of them seem to be very compliant with their medication regimen. Thank you, Thomas. We were talking while at the NCPA and follow up about some of your adherence uh, reminders and things that you're doing for your patient base. I think of our seniors and the seniors in your community who may be suffering with something very serious like dementia or, you know, forgetfulness. And, and I mean, I forget goodness gracious and, and what that can do to, to create problems. And I know that adherence packaging plays a role in that. However, how are you really helping the senior population in your community remember uh, their medications, especially those that are on some type of behavioral health medication? Yeah, and that that reminds me we we have a patient that um does have dementia and and um he's he'll do some traveling sometimes uh he's in incredible physical shape for his age but um does have dementia and, and he'll forget his his package his adherence packaging um you know he'll go to a, another area and then he'll get his meds filled at a pharmacy there uh forgetting and um We'll we'll take them and repackage them when he comes back, and even though we didn't even fill them, and it, it's it's been a challenge. But um, you really need to find you know a caretaker uh, in the home, in the in the community, in the family. You know we we do everything we can, but we can't be with them twenty four seven. And so making sure that they have the support and help they need uh, at home. And so we try to. You know, if they're in our adherence packaging program, we want to find that person that is helping them manage their medications in the home, you know, if they are at home and not at a, an assisted living facility or long-term care. And so that we can have that touch point to make sure the patient's being taken care of. And we'll do everything we can to make sure they're adherent, but um, we're, we're not 
necessarily able to put the peel in their mouth, um, you know, every time. And so it, it's, it's not perfect. Uh, and those patients are the ones that really, really do need help in the home. And so we try to make sure that somebody's looking out for them. And, and if we see them getting off track, if they, you know, some of them are really wanting to be independent and, and maybe their dementia is not, uh, advanced to a point where they have somebody living with them or that kind of thing. But, um, we'll try to you know, ask them who's helping you and can I get their phone number? Uh, can we talk to them and make sure that somebody's keeping an eye out for them? But, um, that population is definitely challenging and, and it's, it's really, you know, it's tough to watch at times. And so we really try to go the extra mile for those patients and make sure we're taking care of them, that we're patient with them that we communicate with them uh, in a kind and patient manner because they you know, get very frustrated at times. And so we want to make sure we try to help them understand and, and help, you know, get them the help they need in the home and, and give them all the resources they need in the community. And so we have a great community and, and um, we have a great small town atmosphere. There's usually always somebody willing to help and a family member or friend. And, and we all try to look out for each other. And, and, um, yeah, I see that on a daily basis and it's really rewarding. So we're, we consider it a, a team approach, uh, beyond our four, four walls here at the pharmacy. Thank you, Monica. I want to talk to you about screening because you were really digging into a specific patient case, uh, with, uh, the team that you had mentioned, but let's talk about what ways you are screening patients for comorbidity where one of those conditions are a mental health condition? Like you're a busy pharmacist, you're putting out 200, 300, 600 prescriptions a day. Talk to us about the screening process. So, you know, um, as far as the screening process, are you asking about like side effects of medications or non-adherence? Like the initial screening just to kind of catch if in fact there's a bigger issue that you're they're able to kind of assess based on maybe medication non-adherence, maybe looking up in the record and, and seeing that uh, they haven't been back in a, in a certain amount of time and they show up, but just how you're using the screening process to dig deeper into the patient's condition. Yeah, so, um, you know, going back to this specific patient case scenario, and, you know, I've got so many different patient case scenarios being a community pharmacist, but, you know, specifically talking about this one case, I was able to dig deep into it by seeing that, you know, she had not been back in about a month, a month and a half to pick up her, both her medications. So, you know, the attempt to call her, she's not responding. So then I called her mother. Um, I was able to call her mother because she is under the age. She's not 18. So I was able to have a conversation with her mother, which is when I found out that she was struggling at home. Um, and then I invited her mother to come back into the pharmacy and we could have a, a meeting in our consultation room. And um, so, then I told her to bring her daughter in and I would love to have a conversation with her daughter if her daughter felt comfortable. So that was kind of the initial screening process that I did to find out that, you know, she was uh, just not, she was feeling ashamed. She was feeling ashamed. Um, she couldn't make eye contact with me. That was the first red flag. Um, when someone cannot make eye contact with you, they kind of look down. They don't want to look at you because they feel ashamed. So that is something um, that I consider a red flag um, is the eye connection. And um, and then just letting them letting them talk, opening up the conversation and letting and keep keeping a, a safe space, knowing that whatever she is telling me is uh, confidential. Uh, establishing that uh, relationship and that trust. And the next thing you know, she spends 20 minutes with me telling me her struggles and some things that she hasn't even shared with her own mother. So I think the key thing is, is being able to uh, make that eye connection. Uh, you will find out uh, within the first five minutes of talking to a patient what the struggle is. What is the reason that you are not 
Is it is it cost? Can you not afford the medication? Is it because you feel ashamed of taking it? Is it because you don't have that support like Thomas talked about at home, um, someone to help you uh, just because you keep forgetting the medications? So what is it that, um, that you need help with? Um, and, and like Thomas said, there is just so much we can do from a pharmacist standpoint, but what can we do to help you figure out a strategy to, to get you to be compliant from a home perspective? Um, and so I think that's the key is uh, having that one-on-one -on -one. and each patient case is different. Uh, each patient case scenario is different. Uh, so it's, it's just that one-on-one -on -one getting to know the case what can we do as a pharmacist from a pharmacist standpoint? And then what can we do to help in from a home perspective? Thank you, Monica. Um, that really helps me understand as, as the non-pharmacist of this group, um, how you would dig into that. I kind of want to kick it over to Tyler because uh, there's the aspect of sensitivity that Monica was talking about. There's the stigma that comes with mental health. No one wants to admit they have an issue. Um, I went through depression in my uh, mid thirties and I didn't tell anybody. The only person that knew was my physician and my pharmacist. And I talked with my pharmacist more than even my physician. And almost as a count, I was almost like I was getting counseling from the uh, pharmacist. And then she asked me to go to a counselor. So uh, that was, uh, was insightful of her, but Tyler, how are you handling the stigma? How are you digging into, there's a lot of pride that people will have that they might not be able to afford their medication. Um, they may have issues at home. They are stressed out because of something that's happening at work. Regardless, how do you overcome stigma? Um, one thing that we try to do with all of our mental health patients uh, is let them know that they're not alone with their situation. Um, there are people that may not be going through exactly what they're going through, but there are people that are struggling as well. So they're not out there trying to do this completely alone. Um, thankfully in our community, we've got some resources where we can try to send them uh, and get some professional counseling therapy. Um, you know, there's all kinds of apps that they can use now. Uh, but one thing we do particularly in the pharmacy, uh, when we're consulting with these patients as privacy as possible, um, thankfully at our pharmacy here, we've got plenty of space we have a couple different consultation rooms where we can, take them in and, you know, have a conversation with, away from everybody completely. Um, you know, you have some patients that don't necessarily care. They'll talk about whatever in, in front of whoever, but we do try to give them that space to, um, you know, be private and, and talk to us one-on-one -on -one and just, we let them know that they're not alone. And that seems to go a long way. Yeah. I wanted to jump back to Thomas as well and kind of ask the same question, how you're handling that how you're handling um, the possibility of sensing that there may be a stigma um, with uh, with admitting uh, that there's a behavior health or mental health problem. Yeah, and we, we really try to remove that as quickly as possible. And, and it definitely goes back to building that relationship like Monica and Tyler have said, it, uh, that you're gonna have a hard time getting patients to open up to you and, until they trust you because because they are often ashamed and uncomfortable. And, and so we try to proactively uh, counsel patients. And, you know, we're at, at a lot of pharmacies besides the independents, uh, they might not have time to counsel and educate patients, uh, but we really try to make the time. And, you know, at, at point of sale, we'll uh, put a note on the bag. And uh, instead of simply just asking the patient if they want counseling, We'll rephrase it if it's a new medication and especially a mental health medication because the initial startup is so important for helping them understand you know, why they're using it. And um, like Tyler said, they need to know what it's doing, what it's for. And like Monica said, the, the mechanism behind it, a lot of people are interested in that and it makes sense and it takes the stigma away from it when you get into the science a little bit behind how it's working and, and that it's there's something you're helping. It's not just you know, throwing a pill down and hoping that you'll feel better. Um, so we actually tell the patient, hey, the pharmacist wanted to speak to you about this since it's new. Uh, would that be okay with you? And so we're flipping that question around and usually they say yes. Um, but if you say, do you want to speak to the pharmacist? They will usually say no um, because they're uncomfortable 
and they don't want to take that first step forward and, and opening up to the clerk that they may have just met if they just got put on an antidepressant for the first time, you know, so that's the, the way that we've gotten our foot in the door to develop that relationship. We'll take them off to the side into a consultation area privately and say, Hey, you know, did the doctor tell you about this medication and, and what did they talk to you about? And, and so sometimes the doctor was able to get into a lot of detail. Sometimes they were not. And so we know what their education level is on that medication. And so we can tell them, Hey, you know, with this antidepressant, you're going to need to take it every day. It's not an as needed kind of thing. Uh, you're going to need to let it, you know, be in your system for a couple of weeks. Uh, you might have these side effects at first. You usually start tolerating it, uh, you know, better after a couple of weeks and giving them that insight. And, and they really do appreciate it. And, and you would think that they'd be uncomfortable, but they really open up. And then you've developed that relationship and you're the one they're calling if they're having an issue about that medication or an issue about anything. Um, so that gets our foot in the door and that's really helped us break through that stigma and, and let them know that, that they have somebody they can you know, trust and talk to about it. That's gold, Thomas. Uh, you're you're building trust through education, um, and I wanted to to go back to Monica real quick and the element of trust and the element of trust that I admire you, Monica, is that not only have you built trust with your patients, which is primary, but you've also built trust with your primary care um, physicians. Uh, and and the reason why I mention that is is if you make a call to a physician that knows you, that trusts you, that you're looking out for the best interest, you're gonna get a much different response if you make a suggestion to change something or you know, uh, ask for even a PGX test because this psychotropic's not working as intended, whatever it might be. Trust is so critical. I want you to share with the listeners how you've built trust with physicians and you are an Instagram star where you actually have your grow and glow sessions where you have a physician with you and you guys are actually discussing mental health cases together, which I think is really special. But talk to us about the element of trust with other HCPs. Yeah, so, um, you know, being a community pharmacist, you know, and obviously we deal with mental health. So, you know, we uh, have a really good uh, relationship with our local uh, psychiatrists here in Los Angeles, um, where, uh, you know, they send uh, their patients prescriptions directly to, you know, uh, our team, um, which is nice because sometimes let's say somebody is going on vacation, it's the holidays. Well, we want to make sure that they have a 60 day fill or 90 day fill. So there's no uh, gap of, you know, them not getting their uh, refill. So um, a lot of the times uh, the prescriptions are sent in for 30 days, but because, you know, uh, we take that extra step and saying, hey, you know, Sabrina's going on vacation for a month. We want to make sure that, you know, she doesn't miss out on her medication for a week. So can we get that 60 day? So we'll take that extra step. So our uh, relationship that we're building with our physicians um, is it's, you know, I see it as a team effort. They are doing what they need to do. We are doing what we need to do to at the end result of taking care of this patient. Um, so yeah, it's it's this beautiful relationship that we have established. Um, and just uh, another example is, um, you know, we uh, are at the forefront of COVID vaccines. So these physicians that we have built, you know, uh, an amazing relationship with, they will send their patients uh, directly to, let's say, Dr. Monica, can you go to Dr. Monica for your vaccine? Can you go to Dr. Monica here at this pharmacy for your uh, initial prescriptions? Uh, because they know that I genuinely care about this uh patient, I'm going to take the extra 10 minutes, even though I don't have that 10 minutes because I am bombarded with all these things, I am going to find a way to make that extra 10 minutes or 15 minutes to talk to this patient. Um, so it's it's something that, you know, I've been doing now for close to 19 years. Um, so, and I, I have been in this community where I work for the last 10 years. So I have gotten to know um, not only private practice physicians, but ER physicians, 
who actually do call us up at like nine o'clock at night saying, hey, I'm I'm discharging a patient. Do you have this? Um, and so it's it's uh, it's kind of like, you know, a two way thing. They they rely on us. We rely on them for the end results of patient care. Thomas, uh, you were telling me about how you inform your local physicians about what you're doing with adherence packaging. How does that play into adherence? How does that play into mental health and in keeping patients on their on their medications, the trust that you've built with those uh, local physicians? Well, it, it really loops them into what we're doing. And, and it's, it's amazing in general, just in pharmacy, how often physicians don't know what you're doing. Um, if you're you know not in the same clinic with them, unless you tell them, um, and they're really you know they really do appreciate uh, what we're doing, and and so we try to uh, let them know that we offer these services such as adherence packaging, and so that they know that we're looking out for their patient long after they leave their office visit, and so that's really uh, helped strengthen that trust even further. We've been been in our community for. Uh, 120 years, and so we um, have always tried to work closely with the providers. We're a small town, and so um, they can call us and say, "Hey, has Miss Smith been taking this medication?" Because you know they'll go to the the patient will go to the doctor, and if they don't bring their meds, and the doctors, you know, they're asking, "Are you taking your medication?" Yeah, yeah, I'm taking it, and um, you know if they. You know, they and say, so, well, your blood pressure is high, so we're going to add another blood pressure pill, or, or um, you know, you you seem like you're feeling down. Should we go up on your Zoloft? And if they're not taking it to begin with, it's you don't need to increase the dose or add a new drug. And so they know that they can get that information really quickly and and timely from us. And and you know, they'll refer patients to us that that are struggling and you know, bringing in a, a grocery bag full of bottles from different pharmacies and. And, you know, we can clean that up and they can, you know, they can focus on treating the patient and diagnosing and counseling the patient and let us handle the, the medication complexities. And so we really do partner and, and value that relationship. And, and it's been, been eye opening for, I think, for them to, for us to be able to show that value uh, that we can offer to their patients. Tyler, your relationship with your physicians how are you communicating with them about adherence packaging as well as about specific cases? How are you building trust between you and your uh, providers? Um, kind of like Thomas said, we've been able to build good relationships with our local providers. One thing we do specifically with the adherence packaging is we've taken every office a sample box, what that looks like. Um, and most of them are willing to, you know, sit that out on the, on the little counter with all the magazines when you're in the waiting room. Um, we had somebody develop like a little, uh, trifold pamphlet about our packaging and, and how it works. And they're more than happy to leave those out on the, the waiting room area as well. And then one thing we've really focused on is, um, telling them to, you know, if you see a patient who is struggling or you see a patient who's on four or five plus medications, usually more than that. Um, you know, talk to them about, are they taking it properly? And if not, you know, we're more than happy to help get that cleaned up. You know, as Thomas said, it's, it's our job to, to focus on their medications, make sure they're doing it properly, avoiding any side effects, you know, avoiding those unneeded additional medications, uh, when simply taking it properly would have solved the problem. And a lot of the providers are, you know, like everybody has said, willing to call us up, say, Hey, is this person taking their medications right? Um, or they'll call us and say, hey, we're sending you a new person. You know, they use the pharmacy down the road. Uh, can you all please package them and, and help get their medications in line? And we're more than happy to help. And that usually leads to new referrals every single week. We see multiple ones. And uh, it's been great building those relationships with the providers and really focusing on the entire picture of, for the patient instead of just the medication part. We look at everything. Thomas. Monica, Tyler, this has been a packed full of great ideas around mental health, helping patients, being open, being honest, being trustworthy as uh, the most accessible provider in your community as the community pharmacist. This is such an important topic to keep uh, in the in the minds and and, and and keep talking about it. So if there's other things that you'd like to 
talk with us about, please send it our way before we before we do more of these on mental health. If you're listening, if you're a pharmacist and you know of other services, other resources, please reach out to the Pharmacy Podcast or the RX Safe team. RX Safe is doing an absolute amazing job supporting community pharmacy with their uh, adherence packaging technology. I want to give a shout out to Bill Holmes uh, in in the team at RX Safe. Thank you so much for sponsoring uh, this uh, mental health and adherence session. And I want to give a special thank you to Monica, uh, Thomas, and Tyler for for participating today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Todd.